Welcome to the Gay Men Going Deeper podcast series by the Gay Men's Brotherhood, where we talk about personal development, mental health, and sexuality. Your hosts today are Michael, Callan, and myself, Matt. So today we're talking about people pleasing. I'm very excited to talk about this one because I have this alive in my being. Um, so we're going to answer, um, we're going to unpack three questions today. So how has people pleasing impacted your life? Why do people start people pleasing in the first place? And how can we start to overcome people pleasing? I think the three of us all can relate to people pleasing at some point in our lives. So I'm excited to hear your guys' take on this. Um, and then to hear your guys' take, the listeners, we want to hear from you guys uh, next Thursday. Uh, come out and join the discussion and the Gay Men's Brotherhood Zoom Hangouts where you will have a chance to share your own personal experience with people pleasing. Uh, before we get started, we are going to read out a review that we got from Balaboy one and it's refreshing. He gave us five stars and he says, it's nice to hear gay men talk about real issues important to gay culture. The hosts are refreshingly honest. They are the kinds of discussions I have with only my closest squirrel friends and y'all are broadcasting it to the world. <laughs> <laughs> the episodes are about dating and open relationships were my faves. Looking forward to seeing what's next. That's hilarious. I love that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I'll, I'll do a little, a little mini monologue to start. Um, so people pleasing, I, I did a Google um, search. And the, the dictionary definition describes it as a person who has an emotional need to please others, often at the expense of his or her own needs or desires. Okay, I want to preface this conversation by stating that people pleasing isn't inherently a bad thing. Okay, it has a shadow side and it has an em em empathy side. And I, I think today it's important that we unpack both. Um, so when I was, when I was thinking about what I wanted to, wanted to say today, I was thinking, you know, for me, people pleasing has shown up in, in those two ways. So shadow and empathy. And I think the shadow side for me is, is it's an inauthentic expression of kindness. And I think, um, I use or have used kindness, um, or being overly kind or caretaking or these sorts of things to control people's perceptions of me, uh, because I really struggled with having, um, people disapproving, um, of me or, or being disappointed in me. So it was, it was really trying to control and manipulate, um, um, other people's opinions of me. Um, the other shadow side aspect would be around self-abandonment of my own needs. So really looking at other people's needs and making them a priority over my own needs. And that's how the people pleasing has become a, 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 an issue for me. Um, and then becoming preoccupied with others. I think, you know, I've said in, in the podcast before that a codependency has been a theme throughout my whole life. I learned it early in my childhood and, um, that's how it showed up for me is making sure everybody else's needs are taken care of, um, and not have to be with my own stuff. Right. So it's like preoccupation with other, so you don't have to deal with focusing on your own baggage or whatever. Um, so that's the one side of it. And that's, that's probably what I'll be speaking to quite a bit today. Um, but the, the, the empathy side to it is it's actually quite a beautiful trait when, when we come from the, the notion of wanting to care for others, wanting to place other people's needs, um, not necessarily ahead of our own, but in, in, in importance, right? We, we notice that other people have needs and we want to make sure that their, um, their needs are being met as well. So it's kind of got a, like a, a connotation of like, you know, generosity, right. And, um, humility where we can really look at how we can, um, tend to other people and uh, make them feel good. That's a big part of my life because I am a pleaser. I love, pleasing. Um, I loved, you know, even especially in my intimate relationships, I love, um, I love 
nurturing and caretaking and making dinner and lunch for my my boyfriend and um, massaging and all those sorts of things. It's just part of my nature um, because, uh, you know, being an empath, when other people feel good, I feel good, right? So this is, um, this is something that's really important to me, but I've had to learn boundaries, right? Because without boundaries and I'm just giving, 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 um, it becomes problematic. Um, and I also don't learn to develop tolerance to people's, um, well, to me saying no, right? What, what shows up for me when I say no to other people and the feelings that I have to sit with? Um, boundaries have helped me really um, be okay with saying no and sitting with some of that discomfort that can come with that. So um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it there um, and I'm going to pass it on to Michael. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love this topic. I'm actually surprised we haven't talked about this earlier mm-hmm. in our podcast because uh, I know it's come up quite a bit throughout the episodes, but it does warrant its own episode. So I think, um, I think it is very important, Matt, like you said, to, to distinguish the difference between being nice and being a pleaser versus the sort of more shadow side, as you say. And the way I like to think of it is when you're just being nice for the sheer joy of wanting to be nice and wanting to please, it feels energizing. It's like a, a soul energizing feeling. Like it feels good to do it versus when you're doing it um, in this inauthentic way, like this kind of way to try to uh, change or control the people's perception of you or your reputation. It feels forced. It feels like kind of graspy and it, for me, it feels like it's depleting my energy. It actually depletes me and exhausts me versus simply being nice or, or pleasing, you know, like you said, wanting to make dinner, wanting to have a party and have, have my friends over and just have a good time. That feels good. I feel like I'm in my element. I feel like I'm radiating the energy and it actually fulfills me. So I think that's a very important first distinction to make. Um, your question was sort of how has it impacted my life? And so, you know, I'll speak a little bit about that. Um when I was a kid, I mean, when we were all kids, we kind of seek the approval from our adult figures, parents, teachers, so on and so forth. And that's fine, right? That's just part of the normal socialization process. But then what happens is when we kind of grow up and if we don't start to learn how to develop that own, like our own sense of approval or our own sense of self-sufficiency, and we continue looking for it in others, that I think is where things become a problem. And so for me, that kind of happened. Like I was always that kid in elementary school where I just wanted to get like the extra sticker from doing an awesome book report. I wanted to get all the good grades to show my mom and dad and all the things. I just wanted to be the good little, good little boy. That was kind of my role because my sister was the badass be so I had to I had to play the other role uh, hopefully she's not listening so that's how it started for me and then and then it kind of like I said once I once I became a teenager I started to rebel against my parents which again is very normal but what I did is I think I transferred that need for approval from my parents and adults to other gay men because I came out around the same time and so it didn't actually go away I just wanted that sense of approval from other people uh specifically gay men and and how that looked for me was doing a lot of things I didn't really want to do um some of which I'm happy I ended up doing in retrospect uh because it taught me a lot about myself but in the moment it didn't feel so good so I think as I learned to come out of that and as I learned to really develop a sense of self, which I think is sort of the antidote, uh, at least a big piece of it is really developing the idea for what do I actually want? What do I actually stand for? What are my values? What do I want from my life? Not what do my parents want from my life? What does my boss want for me? What does gay culture want for me? Friends, whatever, but really determining what it is I want and then start taking action in that regard, like start taking action for myself that's when I really started to get out of sort of the people pleasing tendencies. I still do it. I still do it. I still catch myself like not wanting to say no to an event because I'm going to feel bad about what they're going to think about me. Or I I still catch that thought come up for me, but I do a much, much better job now of, you know, simply telling the truth saying, Hey, I'd love to, I just need some time to, to focus on me. Actually, even with you guys, Matt and Callan, like, you know, during the course of our building our membership and building this community, there's been times I'm just like, hey, I'm taking a vacation, you know, and I'm going for uh, a weekend up to the cottage. I just need some time off. And that for me, historically, would have been not something I did. I would have sucked it up. I would have done it. I would have resented it. <laughs> and yeah, so I think that's been a little bit about my journey and still continues to be. Let's let's be clear. It still continues to be something that comes up for me. Mm-hmm. How about you, Callan? 
Wow. Well, thanks for sharing, guys. I've been sitting here listening to you guys and kind of realizing I have a very different perspective on the people pleasing for myself. Um, it sounds like you guys kind of went in the direction of like, you know, growing up pleasing and being, oh, I like the sticker. Or, oh, I like to get this acknowledgement. And I went the opposite direction because I didn't get that. And so because I consistently didn't get that, like it was like, okay, a bit of history, like my, you know, divorced family and all that. We've talked about that before, but they were so self-absorbed and, you know, I don't blame them, um, but they were just so self-absorbed in themselves and the shit that they were going through as adults and looking at it now, I'm like, my parents were younger than I am going through that. So it was like, yeah, I get it. Um, but they were so self-absorbed that it was kind of like the kids were like an afterthought. Plus I was the youngest and my siblings were five and 10 years older. So they were much more mature, like mentally, like I was like between the ages, like four and seven when it was like all really bad. Um, and so when I was going through that critical phase in my life of like, you know, good for you, you get the sticker, you get this. My parents were so self-absorbed in their own divorce and their own shit that like they you know, didn't pay attention to if I got an A on the spelling bee, they didn't pay attention to, oh, we need to read to you after, you know, school, or we need to like focus on your schooling and stuff. It was just, it was kind of the, the, their own show. And I was kind of just there. Um, so I learned very quickly to just not care. And I was like, okay, well, no matter what I do, I don't get attention and I don't get praise anyways. So I'm not going to try. So I went the opposite direction of people pleasing. I went the, well, fuck you. I'm going to please myself route. <laughs> um, so I learned very quickly to like have confidence in myself and to just do my own thing. Um, and in school that acted out, that played out in like I didn't do homework. I basically did the bare minimum because in my mind, I was like, as long as I pass, that's all I care about. Like, as long as I graduate, like, there we go. And I did excel in a lot of things like the arts. I excelled in like choir and music and drama and theater and musical theater and in all of those things in English class, magically enough, got like really good grades because it was creative stuff that I really enjoyed. But like the maths and the other things and all the stuff, it was like, I think Spanish, my Spanish teacher passed me and I got literally a P for pass because it was like, so I can't give you a grade, but I'm going to pass you just because you show up every day, you do participate, but you just don't ever do your homework. You don't do other stuff. And it was because I was like, yeah, because I'm, I'm here because I kind of have to be, not because I want to please, where there's the kids who are like, I need to get an A because I want adults to be proud of me and I want them to please me. And I was just like, I don't fucking care. Like, I just want to get the fuck out of here because I hate this. I hate my life here. And like, I just want to like grow up already. Um, and so as I grew up into adulthood and the people pleasing, I kind of always focused on pleasing myself first and like focusing on myself. And, it, you know, I kind of went in a very selfish route. I've balanced out a bit more but I learned that it was like no I'm gonna fill my own cup first because I gotta take care of me first and I can't even be worried about other people and there were parts of me that I did worry about other people's perceptions um but I didn't care enough to change who I really was like I wouldn't go out of my way to do something that I didn't want to do I was totally fine with being like no sorry can't do it not gonna do it and but I would get outraged, like outraged if friends of mine would talk about like, oh, I have to do this. And they really didn't want to do something or they really hated something and they would just do it anyways. I would be like, how can you just do something you're not passionate about? Like, why would you do that? Like, and just do what other people say. Why are you such a pushover? And I think it was because I was so angry that like, they had different lives than I did. Like they had a reason to people please. Whereas I was so angry that like, I didn't have that experience. So I was just like, why the fuck would you do something for somebody else when nobody else mm -hmm. cares about you? Like people don't really care about you because that was my experience. I was like, people don't care about me. They care about themselves. People are selfish. And so that was like a lot of my perception. And so my people pleasing hasn't played out the same way as you know, I'm hearing from you guys, my people pleasing is played out in the way that it's like, you know, a lot of 
my younger life was, okay, well, what do I have to do in order to get what I want? It wasn't from a, oh, I want this person to approve of me. I want this person like, you know, this situation. It was like, okay, I need to get to X, Y, Z. How do I do that? Okay, well, what do I need to do in order to do that? And that's where that energy came from. It wasn't, which is like not a good energy. Um, but that's kind of where it came from. It came from that side of like, okay, well, how do I get you to do what I need you to do? As opposed to, I want to make you happy, or I want to do this because it makes me happy to make you happy. Now mm. in my adult years and, and you know, all the personal development and all the stuff that I've gone through, I've definitely shifted that. Um, and I do things because I gen genuinely want to, and I want to help people. And I've started to, like learning in relationships that, it feels good to make other people feel good. And just because I had this experience growing up as a kid doesn't mean that that's the way the world is. That was just my perception of the world that I unfortunately had to go through and learn about to get to where I am now. But now I'm in a place where it's like, I am fully okay with saying no to things. I'm fully okay with being like, no, can't do it. No, I'm sorry. Like the healthy boundaries for me because I was so ingrained in it when I was younger, it's easy for me. It's the opposite now that is hard for me, taking other people's emotions and things into consideration. Or when we have relationships, like working in that regards of being like, oh, I actually have to care what this person says. And like, you know, that's what a lot of my shifting in, in my adult years has been of being like, okay, well, if I care about this person, I need to make a conscious effort to understand what that means like I don't want to do this thing but they really enjoy doing this thing so is that a non-negotiable that I really don't want to do it or is it something that it's like oh he likes sports so I'm gonna go to his sports game or I'll go to a sports thing with him or something like that that it's like okay I can find reasons to engage and be happy like I can I love going to sports live that's fun because there's an energy will I watch it with you on tv no probably not because like it gives me zero fulfillment and I'm, it gives me zero fulfillment to the point where it's, it really will do more harm than good if I try and sit and watch some sort of a sports thing with you. Like, that's just, that's just like an example. Um, but yeah, my people pleasing has definitely been a opposite journey of your guys. So I'm curious to see what you guys have to say now that we've uh, kind of gone down that route. Because um, I answered kind of the why do why do people start pleasing in the first place? And I was like, I did not. I started pleasing people <laughs> to get what I wanted because I learned that people only are selfish through my parents. And so the only way that I could get what I want is if I served their self-fulfilling like selfishness. And so it was a very warped sense of people pleasing. Mm. Yeah, I um... thank you, Callan, for that because it's cool it's really cool it's cool to see that we all have different experiences with it and how it showed up for us and I think um, I would like to take the conversation and move it into maybe even changing the question from why do people start people pleasing in the first place why do gay men start people pleasing in the first place and I, I have a theory and um, it's true for me it doesn't have to be true for you the listeners I think um, I, I try I'm trying not to speak in generalizations as much anymore because I realize that my my lens to which I look through the world is is very unique to me um, but I do work with clients and I attract clients and I and I have I, I see this experience within them as well um, so I'll explain my theory um, as gay men many of us grow up with shame um the shame of being different the fear of rejection um a lot of us get told from society from the heteronormative world that we're defective or disgusting or whatever it might be okay and i think um we develop trauma most of us we have trauma um and shame wounding um from growing up in in this type of environment um, where we don't really truly get to develop an authentic sense of self because we're too busy hiding who we really are and we we create separation between who we really are and how we think we need to show up and represent ourselves, which is a form of people pleasing right we put on the mask of what other people we think other people need us to be and we wear that mask really well um, and I think on the journey of authenticity for a lot of gay men some of some of us get stuck and we continue to wear that mask 
and we people please. And I think that people pleasing is fueled from this motivation to not have to sit with the trauma and the shame wounding. So we really learn again, and this is, this was my story. I really learned quickly how to control perception. So people saw me in the light that I needed to be seen in. So I didn't get the ref reflection of defectiveness from people um, or disapproval. So I didn't have to sit with the discomfort is essentially what it is. Then I think some gay people, some gay men go through a period where they enter this, I don't give a fuck, right, mentality, and they, they throw their gayness in everybody's face. And they, um, it's like this loud and proud kind of kind of energy, um, which is the other side of the pendulum. You know what I mean? Like we have the hiding who I am, and then we have the having to throw who I am in front of in, in everybody's face. And I think I, I mostly resonate with the with the 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 more collapse versus the posturing, right? Of like of, of throwing that out. But I um I think there's this really nice equanimity, this really nice balance where we, where we come into ourself and we step into our authentic self, where we 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 learn how to prioritize our opinion of ourselves over other people's opinions of ourselves, because I don't think it's humanly possible to not give a fuck what people think about you. I, I, I really don't think that's humanly possible. We are socially ingrained creatures. We are literally connected through energy. We're connected through biology. We're connected through neurochemistry. Everything um, points to attachment and connection. We're wired for it. So I don't think it's possible to fully let go of that. But in, from my own experience, where I find I've done some really beautiful work is I've started to um, focus more on what I think about me versus what other people think about me. And it's like, even if it's just a little bit more, you know, like um, that I care more about what I think about myself than what other people think about me, that's when I started to develop worthiness. That's when I started to develop the confidence to show my authenticity. Um, and really it came from healing shame and, and sitting with that, that wounding and the trauma of be, of being different. Um, and this is why we do the work that we're doing in the brotherhood is we, we see the importance of healing shame, because when you heal shame, you create space inside you for authenticity, right? Which is the birthplace of us being able to just show up and be ourselves with each other. Um, so anyway, that's been my experience. I'd love to know what, if you guys have had a similar experience or if you guys see the gay community and some of these things playing out in this, in, in a similar way, or if, if this is just completely my own unique experience, I'd be curious to know that. Um, I can, I can speak to that. I think, I mean, yeah, I, I think a lot of that it rings true for me and, you know, clients that I've uh, had and even friends and other, other gay men who, who are open enough to talk about this. And I think that's the beauty of what we're doing here. So thank you for sharing that, Matt. Um, so the way, yeah, I think it does absolutely start with this whole notion that at some point we we realize that we're different from the other boys, right? We all have that moment, sometimes younger, sometimes older, we're like, uh-oh, something's wrong with me. At least, again, that was my understanding is like, uh-oh, something's gone wrong. <laughs> I'm not like, I'm not the way my dad or my mom wants me to be. So, you know, it's natural. If, for us to look for that approval of being a good boy, a good man elsewhere, right? We start to kind of um, ask others to, you know, approve of us. And so that's, that, that, that's fine. But when that becomes the norm, when you start looking for it elsewhere all the time, you completely lose your own sense of self-approval, right? And, and that's, that's just, it. I think, Matt, you said it at the end there, like, you have to care yes we care about what other people think but we have to care about what what your opinion of yourself is first and foremost right so i think what happens is we start looking for it elsewhere that becomes a habit and then here's what happened with me is i got really good at people pleasing i got really good at playing that role i got really good at being that person and getting that that validation externally and it felt good but it does right that validation that approval feels good appreciation even and so over time I just got really good at giving people what they wanted from me. Mm. Beautiful thing, except it was at the expense of who I actually was. It was at the, I was giving up authenticity in exchange for approval. And that is the issue there 
it's like, it was not an authentic pleasing. It was a, I'm giving up who I am so that I can have that approval from elsewhere. So that's, I think the, the crux of the issue, at least in my, in my case, it just felt terrible because I was doing it. Yes. On one hand, it felt good to get the admiration and validation, but on the other hand, I knew deep down inside, it was not being who I was. It didn't, it didn't feel that good, even though the validation did. So I think it's this, you know, for gay men, having to come to terms with the fact that perhaps we do feel not good enough, broken, whatever the word is, you know, shame is sort of a nice overlying word for it, but some form of us uh, needs to fix that. And so we look for the fix through validation. And this topic goes off the, goes nicely off the heels of our inside out conversation as well. So mm-hmm. that's sort of what I have to say about sort of why, why gay men in particular with people pleasing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump in on that and add to it because (laughs) it goes so deep. Um, The whole time I was just thinking about like, you know, gays in the corporate world and the corporate ladders and how I see it so many times and times and time again of like the people pleasing coming out in order to be the best, in order to be the CEO, in order to run the show. And it's this exchange of, and it's not saying this for everybody, Um, but I see it a lot is the exchange of authenticity in order to get ahead in order to be approved of, because I think that, you know, growing up, we're all shamed and told that we're wrong. Well, you know, generationally, we historically have been told that we're wrong and shamed for it. And so we kind of show up in our work worlds or corporate worlds or outside worlds, overly people pleasing in order to get ahead in order to prove that we are good enough. And no matter how high you get on that ladder, you're not going to be good enough unless you think you're good enough, unless you decide you're good enough. And that's what Matt was talking about of like thinking what you think about yourself is more important than what other people think. Even if it's just a little bit above, it's still, that's where that comes from. But if you're climbing up the corporate ladder or doing those things and it's coming from the inauthentic place of like, Oh, well, I don't actually like doing any of this or I don't like this or whatever but I need to do this in order to be the best. I need to do this so that other people look at me and go, oh, wow, he has this job or, oh, wow, he's achieved that. That comes from that inauthentic place, right? And that's, you know, where people lead to depression and, you know, people who like Kate Spade, who had, you know, perceivably outside everything a person could want in the world, an amazing brand, this, that, and the other, and then still ends up committing suicide because it's the inside that really is the important part. It doesn't matter how high you get, how much money you have, all the things that you have. If the inside's not happy and you don't address it, you know, I mean, I don't know psychologically what she may have had going on, but perceivably from the outside, that's what a lot of it looks like. That unhappiness comes from the fact that you're living inauthentically because you want to get something that you've been told that you need to have, as opposed to something that you genuinely want. Um, it also plays out in the gay Instagram world of like, how many likes do you have? How many followers do you have? How beautiful is your body? And like getting that, you know, getting addicted to people loving you online and on Instagram. But then if people meet you, is it the same energy? Like I've, I've, I've had those experiences where I've kind of interacted or met people who have all the followings. And I'm like, there is nothing authentic about you. Like you are just this fake like skin suit trying to perceive this beautiful life to make your life you're curating your beautiful life to be amazing and you're pleasing all the people who want to follow you but if those people really sat with you would they actually want to be your friend and like hang out with you because you're a genuine good honest person I'm sure there's a bunch of them that are but I'm sure a disproportionate amount of people are not and it's just like I've seen it (laughs) whereas like the boyfriends are like the poor guys like have to take the photos and like the people who it's just like, Oh, take my take, take my photo, take my photo, take my photo. And I've been around those people and it's so draining. Like I don't take my phone, like phone out and take photos of my everyday life. And that's the hardest part about building brands and all this for myself is that I naturally, I don't want to do that because I just want to connect. I just, when I'm with you, I want to be in your space. Like when Michael and I, because we're in Toronto, we met with one of the guys from the GMB, he came into town, and we all hung out and it was great. Not one of us took a photo. And because we completely forgot because we're so busy engaging and enjoying the genuine connection. 
Whereas when you're with people who they want to perceive themselves as having this amazing life, they're going to be so busy taking all these photos that you're like, I don't enjoy being around you because your life is fake. You're not actually engaging with me. You're taking photos and saying all this amazing stuff about us, but that didn't actually really happen, <laughs> you know? So it's another form of the people pleasing of like, oh, I need to please the outside world so that their value of me can give me value as opposed to I have value internally. I don't need it. It can be nice. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying it needs to come from the right place. Um, but a lot of that can definitely also come from that world of people pleasing, same like the corporate world, being your authentic self and choosing to share that is different than trying to portray something in order to get that validation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well said. And it reminds me of um, the course, the, the healing, the shame course in the membership is that's one of the main things we're mm -hmm. focusing on is how to overcome that specific thing is our reliance on external validation. It keeps us trapped. It's a trap, right? External validation or over identification with external validation. External validation itself isn't evil. It's when we aren't, we don't have a balance between internal and external. We are just completely reliant on everyone else's opinion of us to develop our sense of self becomes an issue. Yeah. You know, it's interesting is, is we have no control over what other people think of us. We just think we do. And we want to, of course. Mm -hmm. And that has been one of the things that has helped me is, 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 is it, it's that controlling this. And it feels terrible when you're trying to control something that you don't have any control over. It just doesn't feel good. And that's how you know you're on. That's how you know you're over identifying, I think, totally. is when it doesn't feel like this is working or I have to do all these things to try to get that approval or it's not even... I don't think we use that language in our minds. That's why I always tell people like, how do you feel when you're doing it? Like, does this, this is bringing you legitimate joy or do you feel graspy? It's the only word I can think of right now, like scarcity mindset and you're trying to, to desperately fill it. So yeah, I mean, you know, just a reminder, we don't get to control what other people think of us. Yes, we have influence over it. Like, you know, if I'm a nice kind person, chances are hopefully people are going to like me, but there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee of that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And mm -hmm. people are still going to be like, he's fake. You yeah. know, he's so nice that he's so fake. And, you know, it, it, there's, think about everybody that you know in this world, right? That you've met. They all have a story of you. And even people that you don't meet, if you're a public figure, they all have a story of who you are in their own mind. You can never control that. You're playing, yeah. you're playing the character of you in everyone else's minds. And you don't really get a say on, on how that character develops and the theme and the plot or none of it. Yeah. Right. So you just got to surrender, let it all go and just be you. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the best. It's exhausting. It's exhausting trying to play the role, play the role of the, you know, business owner, play the role of perfect boyfriend, play the role of friend, play the role of whatever like it just stop playing the role and just just be who you are easier said than done i know i know yeah okay yeah but that's so, why we're here we're here to yes. teach these things <laughs> teach and learn <laughs> well yeah well because that's that's how, I, that's how my life has been the whole like the whole time is i go move through a transformation for like six months i suffer i grieve and then i bring that wisdom into my teachings until the next patch of suffering comes along and i that's just been my evolution right and that's how i how i teach and how i work so um thankfully now i'm coming out of a dark tunnel and i'm entering being able to share all the things that i acquired in that period so um, okay. Um, how can we start to overcome people pleasing? Um, I have some really cool tips because like, um, this has been a big part of my nine month journey. Like that this, this is really a lot of the meat of it is letting go of that codependency healing, you know, my attachment style, my anxious attachment style. A lot of these things have been coming up. Um, so I think one of the things that I want to point out, um, I do a lot of work with authentic relating <clears throat> and in authentic relating, there's a lot of beautiful um, work around being with discomfort, being with conflict, being with these things that we're so adverse to being with and how can we find comfort in discomfort, right? And I think this has been a lot of the work that I've been doing and some of it's been forced on me by spirit or the universe. It's like, okay, well, you're not going to move towards it. So we're going to bring it to you. Right. And one of the greatest learnings I've had in this is, is if I start to move towards discomfort by choice, deliberately, deliberatively, it comes at me less 
from the universe in this really, you know, invasive way. So what I've been doing is I've been learning, I've been learning different ways of inviting discomfort in to my experience. So then I'm prepared for it. I can be with the discomfort from a place of consciousness and, you know, I'll give you an example. So um, having a cold shower in the morning, I really don't like being cold. I hate being cold. So what I said to myself was, okay, I'm going to now every day, I'm going to create something that's discomforting around the feeling of being cold. So I, I either go cold plunging or I have a cold shower every day. And it sounds weird that something so simple like that could actually impact your people pleasing, but it really can because the human experience understands discomfort as discomfort. It doesn't understand it in any other, any other way. It's an adverse experience that we want to push away. We don't want to create it when we, when we're in discomfort and we can learn to breathe into it, we can learn to accept it. We can learn to be with it. It completely transforms it. So that's one of them. And, you know, there's other ones that it's like, okay, there's a lot of intensity coming up for me right now around a relationship I'm having. Well, I can choose to ruminate about it and, and go day and day and day and just, you know, developing all these stories and all these narratives about this person, or I can choose to enter discomfort with this person and just have a conversation, right? So I'm moving towards discomfort. And then what I'm noticing happening again is I'm developing my edge for discomfort is being pushed back and I'm able to now say no and have conflict and, you know, be in discomfort and it doesn't have to feel so um, vulnerable or so yucky anymore. Um, so that's, that's definitely one of the strategies that's been helping me. Um, also, I think, um, because when I was people pleasing before, I was very much like a yes man. You know, I was always saying yes, and I was always finding ways to make things work. And I wasn't prioritizing alignment. And I think alignment now is, um, is so key. Um, because if I'm not aligned to something, I don't want to do it. I don't want to engage in it. You know what I mean? And I realized that there's obviously there's an area within that, that you have to be flexible. Like you said, Callan, like there's compromising in relationships. There's, we do things sometimes because we know it's the right thing to do. Like if somebody invites you to a wedding and you're a role in that wedding and in the last minute, it doesn't feel aligned and you don't go, that's, I think that's disrespectful. Right. But there's lots of things in life where oftentimes we do them and we don't want to, and then we develop resentment. And I think, um, it's almost like a reclamation of self. When we move through healing people pleasing, it's like we're reclaiming our self, our sense of self, like Michael said, and um, we're learning how to prioritize our needs, right? If you're an empath, if you grew up in codependency, you struggled with boundaries, we need to learn how to prioritize our needs. And there's, um, you know, before you're, you say yes to anything, I think it's important to, to acknowledge some, some things. And I wrote down some questions here that I think are important to, to ask yourself before you engage in something um, and, and assess your alignment, tune into your body, let your body answer if it feels like it's something that I want to do. Um, so asking yourself something like, do I care deeply about this task, right? Or this thing that I'm being invited to, whatever, do I care deeply about it? Am I honoring someone or something I love by saying yes? Am I feeling pressured to say yes because of fear of angering or upsetting somebody? Are there others who can do this besides me, right? If it's something that you're just not aligned to. And I think, you know, the three of us, we've really found a nice rhythm that way. Like we all have things that we really love and we all have things that we really don't like. And luckily they're in alignment, right? Like, so um, do I have time to do this, right? Or am I putting this on my plate on my to-do list when I'm already ex extremely overwhelmed? Um, do I have an interest in doing this? I think is important to ask. Um, do I have energy for it? And will I end up presenting myself or someone else if I take this task on right now? Right. These are really important things. And that's from that's from psychology today um, on a really cool article. And maybe we could post that in the um, in the show notes. I'll send it to you, Callan. But um, I just think those are really cool questions to really ask yourself and um, connect with prioritizing your needs. That's key. I think that's key in, in overcoming people pleasing for me. So what about for you guys? Um, Callan, you go first. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> when you were talking, I actually, I just finished this book, um, What Happened to You by Oprah Winfrey and 
oh doctor oh this is bad i can't remember his name anyways genius amazing um really 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 great book and it speaks to kind of the first part that you were talking about matt um with the healing energy and um healing it and in the book it talks about you know what happened to you and it it dives a lot into children and trauma and like you know what happens what happened to you Mm. is important as to why you are the way you are today um and a lot of the times in today's world it's what's wrong with you what's wrong with you whereas the question needs to be what happened to you because Mm -hmm. if you understand what happened to somebody you can understand why they're doing what they're doing and you know in this book the you know, it's so well done. Um, but there's this part where they're talking about a boy, very, very young boy, like a couple years old. Um, and his mother was murdered in front of him. And then the dad was very proactive in getting him in therapy and this, that, and the other, and nothing really seemed to be kind of working, but also nothing seemed really wrong with the child, but he knew that like, this is such a impressionable age. And then there was this point, um, where they're at the grocery store and they're going through and the checkout person, they're just talking, whatever. And the little boy just looks up and he's like, my mom, my mom's dead. She died. And then the dad is like, oh, okay, this is like something new. And the checkout clerk was just like, oh, I'm sorry, honey. And like, that was that. And it just kind of continued. But then the dad, knowing that we need to talk about these things to get things out and whatever, when they're going out into traffic, or not in the traffic, into the parking lot, he started asking him all these questions and yada, yada, yada. And the kid just started like rocking and like kind of freaking out and then started to run into the traffic because he was trying to escape. And the dad was like, what's going on? We were just talking about it. And he was like, he thought he was being healing. Whereas the kid was like, then being overwhelmed by it. And basically the point of it is the book was talking about how it's in those small incremental moments that true healing happens thousands and thousands and thousands of those small incremental moments that build up that resilience. Mm -hmm. And it's not always the one hour long therapy session. It is the thousands of therapy sessions where you share just a tiny little bit in that one hour, that one authentic moment where you're met with reassurance and being held and feeling safe. And so in that moment, that boy just shared that one thing. And in that moment, he was met with safety and comfort. And that's all it needed to be. It didn't need to go further than that. And then just providing the space where you can come and go through those little moments and how this plays into the people pleasing and and this whole thing about healing and, and moving through it is I think, you know, being part of groups like the Gay Men's Brotherhood, we see those little moments of guys who just say one thing. And then that's it. And maybe they don't engage for a while, but they get a lot of people commenting, being like, I see you, I hear you, I've been through something similar. And those, those moments built up over time is what really does a lot of the healing. And so when it comes down to like, how can we move out of this? I think of it in the kind of like your whole life. It doesn't need to be a rush to the finish line. It can be just like you said, Matt, just a conscious knowing of like okay I'm just going to be conscious of this thing and to push your barrier out a little bit more of that discomfort is just to have the consciousness of it and in those little moments let them build up over time and that's like how we talk about time and time again about building the muscle the resilience muscle of life of every time there's something that's adverse or every time there's something that you're being inauthentic about or this that and the other you have those moments all through life that you can choose to either go with it or go against it. And an example is like, maybe you're out on the town and you're with some gays and they're being super catty. You can either play into that cattiness or you can be like, no, this isn't for me. And you can rub up against that uncomfortable thing of, I don't really like this conversation guys, or you're being really mean to this person, or that's not cool, or going along with it. And it's those authentic moments that we get to that we go, okay, I can either rub up against this and push my boundary out a little bit more and learn how to be more my my authentic self, or I can play it up and put on the mask and keep doing what I've been doing. Um, Anyways, that was a long roundabout, but uh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is good. And I think we have to start small, right? Like uh, all, all big changes happen with one 
small thing. We start small, we, we add to it. Sometimes we kind of fall off, but then you get back on and that's the whole thing. You, you keep going, you're dedicated to it. So some ways that I think people can start small. Actually, let me reverse. I'm going back to, if, if I compare myself now where I have a bit more experience with my people pleaser within me who still wants to show up sometimes, I think what the, the biggest transformation I've made for in my own world has been how to trust myself and how to have my own back if things go wrong. So I think an inherent part of why people people please is because they're afraid of their rejection. And Matt, your point about sort of embracing the discomfort for me, that's the discomfort. It's like, oh, if I stand up for myself, if I, if I show my authentic self, uh, if I don't people please, I will be rejected from whatever that thing might be. So that's where the discomfort shows up. But then uh, self-advocating, you know, protecting my own energy, like it all stems from my sense of self really has changed. Whereas before my sense of self was, as I said, I kind of gave it to other people to reflect back to me. Whereas when I can develop it from within me and say, okay, what are the, who am I, right? How, how do I identify myself? Not what other people think of me. And then really learn to accept that person flaws and all, right? Even the, even the ugly stuff we don't want to like, you know, learn to accept it, even love it if you can. Uh, um, I think so in terms of starting small to do that, I'm trying to think back to myself. What I would do is for me, establishing a self-care routine and really having the discipline to, to stick with it. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean you need to dedicate like hours of your day to doing something for you, but taking action for yourself towards yourself for something that is important to you, like at the bare minimum, minimum, that's all it could be, whether it's going for a walk each day, whether it's just doing something for you, something that brings you joy, um, not for anyone else. I think that's, that's one really small step you could take and then being disciplined to keep that time for you. So I, I used to do it in the morning. I'd wake up and I'd have my morning coffee and I'd have, I'd watch an inspirational video on YouTube and just do something for me that made me feel good for the day. And over time, I built that built that muscle. And I began to realize, Hey, I really like doing stuff for me. <laughs> this is actually a lot nicer feeling than doing stuff for other people that made me feel in that shadow way that was not aligned for me. Um, and then, you know, if you want to please people and you want to feel good about being kind and generous and loving and, and all that good stuff, then do it in a way that you're pleasing yourself as well. Cause there is that middle ground, right? It's not, it's not a false, like it's not just one or the other. There is a middle ground where you can please others and yourself. And I would say move towards that. Like just kind of go from one to two to three. Again, we're not going from zero to hundred here. So I think that's what I would say, uh, you know, taking small steps um, and, and making time for you, making room for you, understanding that you are worth it. You are worth your own time. Um, it might sound so obvious, but for a lot of people, like if I had heard that 10 years ago, I'd be like, I'm sorry. No, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. Mm -hmm. Some great juicy stuff there, guys. Um, I want to remind the definition. So it's the definition of people pleasing a person who has an emotional need to please others, often at the expense of his or her own needs or desires. And I think, um, some of us wear selflessness as a badge of honor. Uh, and I think, and, and I think there's a time and a place for that. And I think we also, we also need to learn to wear the badge of selfishness um, as a badge of honor. And there's a time and a place for that. And I think the discernment is what is challenging for, for us as human beings, when to implement selflessness, when to implement selfishness. And um, I, I think that when we're tending to other people's needs at an expense of our needs or desires, it's always going to be problematic. So it's again, how can I, how can I look at, um, again, the alignment of something and make sure that it's, um, it's something that I'm able to do and still tend to myself and my needs. Um, I have a, a question. We got about, yeah, we got like 15 minutes. Um, I have a question for we you got guys. like five minutes. Oh, really? Ten, yeah. I thought we started at 1030. Uh, we started just before we started at like uh, 25 past. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I won't bother asking then. We'll just wrap up. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> you can ask if, uh, <laughs> can, we, can we do a quickie? Yeah, we can, a quickie. yeah let's do a quickie. All right. <clears throat> um, how can I rephrase it? So it'll be quick. Um, okay. Um, are you 
more of a pleaser in the bedroom? Or are you more of a, a taker? Like, are you wanting to be pleased or are you wanting to please? And obviously it's, it can be an exchange of both, but I think a lot of people fall into one category more than the other. I'll answer. Okay. Pleaser, definitely. Okay. Because I, the only way I get turned on is if the other person is turned on and my pleasing them turns them on, then I get turned on. But yeah. if they're not, then I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. That's the beauty of it. Let me just see if my partner's listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I would agree that uh, it, it does turn me on to see them turned on. Mm. So same. Um, but that's not always the case. Like if I'm, it depends on the kind of sex I'm having. If it's, if it's with my partner, then yes, that. But if it's more transactional hookup based, then... Uh, it's just like, get me off and get the hell out of here. So that in that case, I'm more of a taker, but then <clears> so would he. So, I mean, if we're both taking, getting what we want out of it and moving on with our lives, then that's, the, it's, I'd say that's the only exception, but in a kind of relationship where there's an emotional connection, it's, it's, I want to see him happy and I want to see him get off and I want to see him, mm-hmm. yeah, have a beautiful mind bending orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you, Matt? Such Cakes? a beautiful gift. Um, I would say, yeah, I'm kind of just relearning about my sexuality again. <laughs> like, um, I would say probably more on the long li- lines of what you said, Callan. Yeah, like I definitely, I would say I'm more of a pleaser in the bedroom. Um, and I like being pleased um, outside of the bedroom. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like intellectually and emotionally stimulate me. And I will exchange the favor in the bedroom and I'll be very pleasing in there. So I like, I, yeah, I like that exchange. Yeah. Points. Mm-hmm. Nice. Fun question. Right. Yeah. Glad we asked. It. <laughs> yeah. 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 Here you go. Well, shall we wrap okay. things up? Yeah. Let's wrap her up. All right. All right. Um, thank you for listening today, tuning in. And um, if you have not already, please join the Gay Men's Brotherhood Facebook group. It's a private community. We're at almost 3,600 uh, guys now, and we have a really beautiful community in there. So if you're not already part of that, come and join us. And if you are listening to us on the podcast platform of your choice, please uh, leave us a review. As you guys heard, we offer um, or we, we will read your review um, at the beginning of each episode with the three of us. Um, so please drop your reviews and give us a, a five-star rating if you enjoyed what you heard today. And if you're tuning into us from YouTube, please subscribe and hit the bell icon. So you'll, or you'll get a notification every time we release new content. And uh, let us know in the comments what's... Uh, what, where are you at with your people pleasing? What's people pleasing like for you? So we can um, engage with you in the YouTube world. So again, thanks for tuning in guys. And thank you, Callan and Michael for sharing um, deeply and vulnerably on your experience with people pleasing. Awesome. Ciao thank for you. now. Bye. Bye.